good news is, you don't have to figure it out on your own. If you're looking for truth, inspiration, and tips for success in the classroom and beyond, you're in the right place. It's time to turn the page to the future of the profession. This is the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Spinagle, and thank you for listening to episode 21 of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. Last week in our Back to School series, we talked about the basis of classroom management, and I introduced you the great 88, rules, routines, and expectations to go over and over. It's your free checklist of all the things you need to teach your students in upper elementary grades, all the behaviors, that is, so that you have a smoothly running classroom. We're going to switch gears slightly today. That checklist is still available to you. It's in the show notes, and it's also available on www.aaronspinagle.com. But as I said, we're going to change slightly here, and we're going to start talking directly about addressing student behaviors. And I cringe even bringing this up right now on summer break, because you may still be recoiling from last year and that one kid, or keeping it real, more than one kid that was difficult to deal with and caused disruptions to your classroom. You are not alone. Even the teachers that act like they don't have behavior issues with students, trust me, they're bluffing. Everybody does. This is not unique to anyone or any situation. Students are people, <laughs> younger people, less experienced people, but nonetheless, they're people just like you and me, just a little bit smaller. And they have feelings and developing brains, and they aren't going to think or process life like an adult. And to be honest, there are a lot of adults that don't process life like adults. In the aftermath of the pandemic, especially, I believe, you might be noticing even less self-regulation from students, more impulsive tendencies, and more immaturity. You're not imagining things. I'm seeing it too. Uh, students don't appear to be where they should be academically or behaviorally, for that matter, and it can be very disheartening and frustrating. And, and honestly, it becomes hard to not take it personally and feel like you aren't effective as a teacher. You may have felt that way even prior to the pandemic. So while I can't address every nuance and unique situation in your classroom, after two decades in upper elementary, I have found some things that work when managing student behaviors and redirecting behavior specifically to minimize disruptions and time off task. Mostly as a way just to preserve my own energy and sanity, but also to teach the kids how they're supposed to behave. I'm not perfect. I don't always say the right thing. And just like you, I get tired of having to repeat myself. After teaching fifth grade for 15 years, I gotta tell you, I was very sick of the drama. So... Your feelings are warranted, trust me. But as I talked about last week, with the three things you have to have for effective classroom management, having a strong presence, asserting yourself, having confidence, teaching all the things, practicing and reteaching all the things until they are ingrained in their behaviors and their actions, those all help build the classroom environment that you want and need for learning to take place. And it's also so that the kids aren't hanging from the ceiling, so we can keep learning and do our job. <laughs> but what do you say 
when it's time to redirect behaviors because that's what a lot of this you know this is where it starts you know classroom management behavior management stopping it before it gets out of hand before it escalates so when the kids test you when they push the envelope or just plain forget how they're supposed to be uh, how do you handle it how do you handle it when they get caught up in all those big feelings today i'm going to give you three things you can practice saying when you need to redirect student behaviors to get them back on track to help them self-regulate and to teach the behaviors that you want to see from them. This is also going to be how to model the language and actions you want from your students. Because remember what I said last week, if you want it, you've got to teach it. You got to teach all of it. You will not have to raise your voice by using these statements. You won't have to get your blood pressure up. Just add these phrases to your teacher speak so that you can quickly get back to teaching. So let's get started because I know you have some more summering or some more relaxing to do before you go back to school here in a few weeks. The first statement to help you redirect student behaviors is, we don't do that here. That's it. Saying to the student, looking at them assertively and saying, we don't do that here. So let's say there's a student in your room that wants to hold something, is getting tired of waiting their turn while they're doing a group activity, and then they try to grab it from the person's hand who has what they want. You would look at them and say, we don't do that here. So maybe at home, that behavior the student's doing is acceptable. Maybe that's how they deal with things. Maybe they're not taught how to deal with it differently. But they're in your classroom, so it's your rules. Now, you say, we don't do that here, but don't just leave them hanging. Okay, we don't do that here, but we, what do we do here? <laughs> you got to tell them what you want them to do instead. So you would say, we wait our turn, or we ask if we can hold or touch, etc., whatever they're doing. And you may even want to model quickly how to ask the student who has having things grabbed for them, may I please see that? Can I have a turn? How do you would say that to them? What tone of voice do you use? You don't just say, give me that. Like the, you've hear, I'm sure you've heard the kids say before. You're, so by doing this, you're addressing the behavior that the student was doing as unacceptable, even if that's how they're allowed to interact with their peers elsewhere. You can't control elsewhere. You can control your room, though. And you're demonstrating what you do do in that situation. So that's very simple. We don't do that here. Doesn't involve you getting upset. Doesn't involve you over-explaining. Doesn't involve you shaming or having to draw more attention to the behavior. Boom. That's it. All right, number two, the second phrase that we use. The second phrase I want you to start using for your behavior management playlist is make another choice. So let me give you another example. So let's say you have a student who doesn't like that they have to redo a math paper. So this student stomps their feet back to their desk and proceeds to try to pull everything out of the desk just to let you know how unhappy they are about this predicament. And you can front load this with, we don't do that here, but you can also go right into, I see you're upset, but what you're doing isn't okay. Make another choice. So you're allowing the student to feel because no one likes to redo a paper. I understand that. But you aren't allowing them to tear up their desk and make a scene in the classroom just because they're mad. Make another choice. They have to choose. Emphasis, they have to choose. You're giving them the power with this statement to self-regulate. 
You're giving them another way for them to express their feelings without creating the chaos. And you might have to provide them with some choices. What do you do when you're upset but can't rip up your desk or stomp your feet? Maybe they can take deep breaths. Maybe they can go to a corner of the room to cool down. Maybe they can count to 10. Perhaps they could ask to get a drink of water. Give them choices. They can choose, but they can't choose to act out and disrupt the class when they get big mad. They have to make another choice. So that's very simple. And eventually, you will actually start to see the students when they start having those feelings because you'll get so used to saying, they'll get so used to hearing, make another choice, they will start to make another choice. It's pretty remarkable how that works. So that was pretty quick so far. You've got two statements, let's do one more. So another statement to redirect student behavior. That's very simple and will not draw attention, will get things handled quickly, is I don't like that. Please stop. And, okay, as an aside, you can tell them what behavior they need to be doing instead. <laughs> so let's give you another example here. Put this in context. Let's say that a student keeps bouncing their pencil eraser over and over, boing, boing, on their desk while you're teaching. So this is like kind of trivial, kind of minor. And yes, there are things that we can ignore. But you know how the kids in your room are. If they someone's doing something that's remotely distracting, what they start to say, how they start to pay attention to. So we still need to address those things that you don't want them to do, regardless, I would prefer them not to. Yes, you can stare the kid down, just look at them and hope they'll stop. Or you can just gently shake your head. You don't have to say anything, but sometimes kids don't get the hint. They'll just like, oh, she's shaking her head. She just has something in her ear today. So here's what you do. You walk near them and say assertively, you don't have to be mean, you don't have to yell, you just have to say assertively, I don't like that, please stop. So you're telling them how it makes you feel. You're telling them you don't want them to continue the behavior. In less than three seconds, you've addressed what needs to happen. They need to stop. Yes, you can tell them what behavior they should be doing. So you say, please keep your hands still. But this works well for just when you need to nip something in the bud fast. Because there's just some things you just know. If you just take care of it immediately, boom, it'll just keep a whole lot of other things from escalating in your classroom. But what you're also doing with this very simple statement, I don't like that, please stop, is modeling for the student and their peers how to deal with things that are bothering them. Because kids will get annoyed with each other and usually how they handle it ends up creating chaos or getting people upset because they're going to address things like a kid and not necessarily like a full actualized adult that's got a developed brain. So when someone is doing something you don't like that bothers or distract you, you just say, I don't like that. Please stop. There's no yelling. There's no touching. They're not tattling. You're teaching them to give a statement and a directive. And also shows kids that you're a person too. And we all have things that are quirks or peeves that we don't like. And you're allowed to, because it's your space, have those and expect things to be done a certain way. I personally hate repetitive noises, which is why I brought this up as an example. But I model for the students with that phrase how I deal with something that's bothering me in a respectful manner. That makes the difference. 
So let's review. This was quick today, but I think it's very effective. And these are all things that you can practice and put into place for the new school year. So to review, here are the three phrases to make a part of managing the student behaviors in your classroom. You need to redirect them to do something else. We don't do that here. They need to choose something else that they do, you do do in your room. Make another choice. You're allowed to feel big feelings, but you have to choose how to handle them in a way that doesn't disrupt the classroom. I don't like that. Please stop. You're modeling for them how they deal with things that bother them, and you're doing it in a way that's not disrupting anybody else. And as a disclaimer, I know these three phrases will not fix every behavior issue in your classroom. Trust me, I know. And students who don't allow you to teach or allow for their peers to learn because of their behaviors need to be addressed accordingly. There are absolutely instances where students who make the learning environment a difficult place to be or threaten the safety of others, not just physically, emotionally too, need to be removed. I totally am aware on that. But your words and demeanor, your presence, that is the anchor of the ship. Your students are looking to you for guidance, even when you don't realize it or when you think they're not paying attention. You teach them more about how to interact than you realize. And it often starts with how you address conflict. So we'll continue more with our classroom management and back to school series next time. But until then, make sure you download the great 88 in the show notes or from erinspinagle.com. It is a checklist of rules, routines, and expectations to go over and over at the start of the school year so that you are prepared to set the foundation for a successful school year. That's all for this episode of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Join us next time when we turn the page to the future of the profession. Until then, remember to be different, but more importantly, be the difference. And I'll see you in the next chapter.